no matter where Paul found himself or who he was with, he spoke one message. And in this chapter, we see his work in Corinth and the birth of the Corinthian church. Welcome, I'm Michelle Berkey, and this is Praying Scripture, a weekday broadcast where we use God's own words to honor Him and to talk to Him about the things going on in our life and in our world. Join me today as we dive into episode 119 and we pray through Acts chapter 18. But before we do that, we are going to open with a bit of worship. This is Acts 18, 9 and 10. The Lord said to Paul in a night vision, don't be afraid. But keep on speaking and don't be silent, for I am with you, and no one will lay a hand on you to hurt you, because I have many people in this city. That's Acts 18, 9, and 10. So let's go ahead and jump into prayer. Father, I'm grateful for this opportunity to open scripture this morning. No matter how I feel, no matter what struggles any of us are having, we are here this morning at your feet, and we are looking forward to opening your word. We are looking to you as a protector. You tell us, don't be afraid. Don't be silent, for you are with us. You told that to Paul, and it is true for us as well. You are with us, and we have no need to feel fear because you have conquered the world, and you will get us through anything anything that, that, we can, that we face, all the things that we face in life. You will help us get through. The other thing about this passage that strikes me, and we'll see it later, is the idea that this was Corinth. You had many people in this city, and you're telling Paul, don't be silent. Keep speaking. Keep sharing, because there are people who I've chosen to be mine, and they need to hear what you have to say. And no one is going to hurt you or lay a hand on you, because that is what I want to have done, and I'm going to make sure that it happens. And so looking at you as 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 one who has plans that you will bring to fruition. And that's true kind of culturally, but it's in, in the world, in the big picture scheme of things, but it's also true in each one of our lives. And I look to you as, as the one who has control over those things that I will accomplish what you have set out to do. As long as I am obedient, you will make sure that it comes to fruition that I'm responsible for my obedience. Paul was responsible for not being silent, and you are responsible for the changed hearts that began the Corinthian church. And so I'm honored this morning to partner with you. I pray that as we come into this time of prayer that you, Spirit, would explain the scriptures to our hearts in a new way this morning. Help us to see what we each need to see and learn from them this morning. And may this time be honoring to you. It's yours, Spirit. Do with it what you will. Take it where you want to go. And we just honor you and worship you this morning for being our protector, our guidance, and the one whose plans cannot be thwarted. In Jesus' name, amen. We are in chapter 18 today, Acts chapter 18. In this chapter, we have Paul establishing the Corinthian church on his second journey, and we see the beginning of the third journey, where, where, which was primarily in Ephesus. It is a long chapter, so we're going to dive right in without a lot of explanation, because really, I want to talk about all the explanation, because I've stood in the place where all of this happened, but that's totally really not what we're here for. Acts chapter 18. 
After this, he left Athens and went to Corinth, where he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul came to them, and since they were of the same occupation, tent makers by trade, he stayed with them and worked. He reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade both Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself to preaching the word and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Messiah. When they resisted and blasphemed, he shook out his clothes and told them, Your blood is on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. So he left there and went to the house of a man named Titius Justus, a worshiper of God whose house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, believed in the Lord, along with his whole household. Many of the Corinthians, when they heard, believed and were baptized. All right, I lied. Just a bit of background. Corinth was a bustling port city that had a, because of where it was located and some mechanical genius, they had a, a lot of trade would go through this. This was a very active trade route and was known as, as a kind of a center of sexual immorality. The Greeks would use Corinthianize as a verb to describe sexual immorality. And so that was the, the tone and the environment in this city. And Paul was, when he came, he was working as a tradesperson. This was a common for Jews who would be rabbis, that they would support themselves rather than the church supporting them. But when Silas and Timothy arrived and brought some church support money from where they had come from, from the churches in Macedonia, he could then devote himself to the preaching of the word. So that's some background about this. Probably not necessary, but let's just dive into prayer. Father, I, I appreciate that there are both of these models in Paul's life. I appreciate that no matter the situation he found himself in, he would always begin to speak your word and he would find a way to be speaking your word. When he came, he stayed with people who were of his same occupation and he supported himself and he taught and spoke in the synagogue on the Sabbath. When he found that he had money to not be working, he devoted himself and was supported by church funds. Both of those models were fine. There's no condemnation for either model in this text, and I appreciate that. And it is affirming to both those who are in ministry full-time, being supported by a local church, and those who are doing ministry while supporting themselves by another occupation. And I I pray that as people are navigating those choices, whether they think of themselves as in ministry or not, we all are, that it's a both and situation, that we aren't negative about one or the other, that we are accepting and affirming of both of those choices. The other thing that I kind of want to talk about with you, God, is the idea that he spoke to the Jews, he went to the Jews, he reasoned with the Jews, and when there was no further recourse with them, when they shut the door on that conversation, he was done. He didn't stay longer than was necessary, but he stayed until everyone who heard had the opportunity to come to know you. And so I pray that that would be our stance as well, that as we live out witness in front of people, whether we're talking or teaching or training or in, a, in whatever other ways that we are serving, that we continue to serve until people close the door on us. And then we move to people who are receptive. Not that we should give up on people, 
but that we should be sensitive to where we are serving and who we are speaking to. And when, when it's done, that we move on. All right, so then the text goes on to say, The Lord said to Paul in a night vision, Don't be afraid, but keep on speaking, and don't be silent, for I am with you. And no one will lay a hand on you to hurt you, because I have many people in this city. He stayed there a year and a half, teaching the word of God among them. While Gallio was proconsul of Acacia, the Jews made a united attack against Paul and brought him to the tribunal. This man, they said, is persuading people to worship God in ways contrary to the law. As Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, If this were a matter of wrongdoing or of a serious crime, it would be reasonable for me to put up with you Jews. But these are questions about words, names, and your own law. See to it yourselves. I refuse to be a judge of such things. So he drove them from the tribunal, and they all seized Sosthenes, (laughs) that's a tongue twister, Sosthenes, the leader of the synagogue, and beat him in front of the tribunal. But none of these things mattered to Gallio. That's a little strange. So we have two different time frames, really. You say, Father, to Paul, I have people in this city. Don't be silent. I have people here. You won't be hurt. And then we see this. um, It may not have happened the same time, but we see your response, your protection of Paul, allowing him to continue his ministry in the next paragraph. Not that it happened in the next moment, but we see you protecting him from the the backlash of the Jewish community. If Gallio had made another decision, he essentially was saying this is a Jewish sect and so it's it's lawful. It's part of the Jewish religion, which is a lawful religion in this Roman colony. Had he made a different decision and said, no, this is not a protected religion and you need to stop, that may have had vastly different ramifications for the early church to have been outlawed in all of Rome. But that's not how it went down. God protected him from harm, but also protected the early church at the same time. You are our protector. And when you say you will keep us from harm, you will. When you say, don't stop talking, I have people who need to hear, that's what you mean. And you'll handle the details. You'll keep us safe if you tell us that you're going to keep us safe. It's not always the way it works out, but when you say so, that's what happens. And we can trust you at your word. The text then says, After staying for some time, Paul said farewell to the brothers and sisters and sailed away to Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. He shaved his head at Sancre... Oh, I can't pronounce this. Sancre... I've even been there. Sancre, because of a vow that he had taken. When they reached Ephesus, he left them there. But he himself entered the synagogue, debated with the Jews. When they asked him to stay for a longer time, he declined, but he said farewell and added, I will come back to you again if God wills, and then set sail from Ephesus. On landing at Caesarea, he went up to Jerusalem and greeted the church and then went down to Antioch. After spending some time there, he set out traveling through one place after another in the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. All right, so we have the final moments of Paul's second journey and the beginning of the third here. So let's pray. Father, after a year and a half of living with um, living with a group of people and ministering among them, you have to think about how much that Paul cared for his people. But he cared more for your message. And so he begins traveling again. And he heads back to Antioch, goes up to Jerusalem, greets the church, and then sets out again after spending some time there. As we travel through our own journey, our own path, our own ministry, 
that you have ordained for us, whether that's raising kids or speaking on massive pulpits. Help us be sensitive to when we are supposed to move on, to when we are supposed to stay, to where we are supposed to go, to what side trips, wherever wherever you want us to be. Give us the sensitivity and the obedience to follow exactly where you want us. The last verses in this chapter say this. Now a Jew named Apollos, a native Alexandrian, an eloquent man who is competent in the use of the scripture, arrived in Ephesus. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he was speaking and teaching accurately about Jesus, although he knew only John's baptism. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. After Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained the way of God to him more accurately. When he wanted to cross over to Achaia, the brothers and sisters wrote to the disciples to welcome him. After he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed. For he vigorously refuted the Jews in public, demonstrating through the scriptures that Jesus is the Messiah. Father, as we close out this chapter, I appreciate seeing Apollos, who was gifted, eloquent, and fervent, but didn't know the whole story. And you spent time to send people to meet with him. They pulled him aside and explained the further, furthered his education, finished out his education, so that he could preach and do the things that you wanted him to do more accurately. And so many times when people are well-meaning, their motives are right, they are fervent in their belief, and they have something wrong, we tend to crucify them in the church. What if instead we pull them aside, teach them, assuming they have a teachable spirit, so that then they can further your kingdom? Pray that we would do that, that when we see people who are just not quite educated isn't really the word I want, but just don't know all the things. Help us bring them along. This is discipleship in a way. It's not the stay with you and disciple you over years, but this is an attitude toward people that brings them up, grows them up in the Word of God. And I pray that we would all have that attitude as we are talking to our kids, talking to our spouse, talking to people that we know that we are not publicly embarrassing them, but that we are growing them in the Word. And I love his attitude because he was a learned man, a native Alexandrian, eloquent man, competent in the use of the scriptures. He knew the scriptures. He had been instructed and he was eager to talk about Jesus to the Jews. But yet he was also teachable. He was teachable when he heard what Aquila and Priscilla had to say. He responded and then he was vigorously refuting the Jews in public, demonstrating through the scriptures that you are Messiah. Pray that we would have that same teachable spirit, no matter where we are in life, no matter how much we think we know, no matter how learned or educated or competent or eloquent we are, that when we have something that we need to learn, that we are teachable. And as we kind of go from this chapter and think about Paul's journeying and his ability to pour into people, that then obviously... Priscilla and Aquila were also willing to pour into people, pray that we would have that same heart, that we would be looking for ways to pour into people and tell them about who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all for joining me today. I'm so glad that you are here and that you could 
participate with me, whether it's live or in a, in a replay. I'm glad that you're here. We'll be back again on Wednesday with the next chapter. If you're a podcast listener, I thank you for subscribing to the show and praying with us in that format as well. My heart is that as we pray together, that God will grow us in our prayer life, that we will learn things from these words that we didn't know before and that we would respond in obedience. But most of all, I pray that we would fall deeper in love with the God who gave us the words that we have just prayed through. Amen. Amen.